Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. So I am on the grounds of the Redcliffe Plantation. Um in South Carolina, right on the border of South Carolina and Georgia. I was sitting under a really beautiful big old tree that's between the the two sections of servant quarters that they have, um, but the ants were just eating me up. So I've moved over to the picnic tables and the ants are still pretty fierce. So you may hear some thwacking and owls every now and then. Um, but uh, I thought this was a good time to talk about my experiences in um, Selma and at the uh, Center for Peace and Justice, the Monument for Peace and Justice that's in Montgomery. Um, here at Radcliffe, um, reportedly there were uh, slaves living as sharecroppers here on the land until like 1972. Um, the house tour is closed today, and so... Um, so I don't know how they tell the story, but I'm assuming, because I've heard these stories before, um, that the fact that that slaves stayed um, is some kind of proof that the master was kind and that things here weren't bad, and yeah, sure, you didn't have freedom, but you know, you had steady meals and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm more inclined to think that um, people stayed because of things like lynching and um, and how that legacy continued into um, into and beyond the civil rights movement to now. So. Um, the civil, the monument for peace and justice is in Montgomery, and um, a city where they proudly <laughs> they they have signs to the first the White House of the Confederacy there in town. Um, seems to be something they're real proud of. Um, the friend of my brother's that I stayed with was a little surprised that I didn't have that on my agenda. Um, so part of why they wanted the Monument for Peace and Justice to be there in Montgomery was to get Montgomery to look at this history and acknowledge it. Um, there really is a sucking wound on the land there. And that monument is a good dose of salve. It's the beginning. 
It's not everything the land needs, but it sure is a great beginning. Um, on my way, on the things I'd been seeing, because I went to the Fonsdale Plantation, um, and I talked about that in the last podcast. Um, and as I was traveling across the land, I could feel the pain in the land and the anger of the white people that remains. This is not old. It is active anger of the white people that are there. Um, And one of the things that I picked up from the land was very similar to what I picked up in the redwoods. This, This pain, like extra pain, because the land is so generous and rich here. The soil is so rich and the waters are plenty and the rain comes frequently. And so there really is no need to subjugate and exploit humans and animals to get things to grow here. The land is so rich and generous and you can live well on the land, just on its own. So there's an extra pain from the land here. And I seem to be going down the road saying, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, I'm so sorry, I beg your pardon. Because you can see it everywhere. You can feel it in the air. So being at the, um, getting into Montgomery and and going to the the monument for peace and justice, um, as typical, (laughs) I really had to go to the bathroom like as soon as I got there. So I'm like doing my little Blanche Devereaux waddle um, up to the building and go diving into the bathroom. and then I came out and they have this display. I'll have pictures in the gallery if you go to the website at uh, mywitchyways.com, spelled with a Y, um, which spelled with a Y. I'll have pictures there. But um, just when you come in the door, there's uh, these shelves with like gallon jars of soil. And um, it's all different colors. There's rocky soil and red clay and dark, rich earth and sandy soil and all these different colors. And there's a map next to it of all the lynchings that were in Alabama. And each of these jars of soil has been taken from a lynching site. I just began weeping and apologizing to the earth for the blood that we've spilled on her. It just keeps making me think of that verse in Genesis when Cain killed Abel and the earth cried out. So I stood and wept.
begging the pardon of every single jar of soil on that wall. And then I moved closer and saw that they had names on each of the jars. Names of people that had been lynched and where and when. Some of the jars, there were entire families. And as you move across the street to the monument, um, you know, it's June, it's, it's hot <laughs> outside. And uh, you start moving across the monument to the monument and um, you know, it's full afternoon sun um, as you're moving up the incline. Um, I was really pleased that uh, it was 93 degrees. It was hot. It was in the afternoon. And there were still quite a few people there. So uh, that makes, that make, that pleases me at multiple levels. And I just love that the folks that uh, put this together have begun. They're, they're essentially turning Montgomery into a um, a social justice tourist destination, you know, um, even in the heat of June in a Southern summer, there's still people coming, which is really lovely. And I am so filled with awe and inspiration and gratitude for the people that put that together. I'm sure it costs a lot more than they thought it was going to. And there was one, there had to have been one bureaucratic hurdle after another, but I, I've heard from other people that Montgomery was sinking so fast that everything was really just like boarded up and um, uh, completely shut, shut down. Um, and so city leaders apparently were so desperate they were willing to do anything. Um, so that, I imagine that's the only way it got put there, but I, by, I am in awe of what it took to get that monument there in downtown Montgomery. And you, you come up this incline and, um, and then there's like a shelter and then you're confronted with, um, these monuments and each lists a county and the names of those that were lynched in that county. Now these names are taken from newspaper advertisements because it would be advertised like it was a carnival. Um, things that were documented, right? So these are the ones that we know happened. They have over 4,000 names. And as you're moving through, I stood in front of each, it's very, it's really overwhelming and take a handful of, um, make sure you've got a pocket full of tissue cause you're going to, you're going to ugly cry. Uh, and, and that's good. I think it's, it's good to ugly cry in a place that is, um, honoring those that died such an ugly death. Um, so I went around and stood in front of each one and read each of the names and begged pardon. 
And as you move through, uh, they start kind of elevating so that you're moving under them and they're hanging above you. It is incredibly powerful. And once you start going down this incline, I mean, I just, um, it is really visceral, right? And the pain of the families, the, the fear that it struck into the heart of the entire African community, um, as well as the white community that didn't like what was going on. I think, you know, that's not something we think about often, but um, this was a message to everyone that wanted to change this. This is a message to everyone that thought this wasn't okay. Um, the impunity of the brutality is, is a terror tactic aimed at everyone that does not agree with these guys. And, um, you know, moving down through it was really breaking open and then as it starts once they're like fully overhead they start having reasons people were lynched on the side um, so on both sides you're flanked by some of the reasons people were lynched and they were things like um, as we all know people like Emmett Till right that were lynched for not talking to a white woman properly or um, not giving some white person what they the respect they thought they deserved there were other things like um you know tried to sue a white person for killing their cow and they were lynched um complained about white neighbors that had destroyed property and they were lynched some of the reasons were so insane and ridiculous that it um it kind of took me out of the felt experience and put me back in my head and um, I just responded with this, you know, like caustic laughter because it's so disgustingly absurd. Um, and then after you walk through that place, there's a, there's a water wall. Um, to honor all of those whose names we don't know. And, and there are many, many more. Um, as you walk out, then you're moving back down um, outside again. And I'm sure eventually there, the, the trees that are planted there will provide some shade. But I think it's really important to read the... Um, to read the words that they have. I noticed that a lot of people walked past them. Um, and I get it. Like, you know, uh, you're overwhelmed. And between the, the heat and the tears and the sweat, uh, I really felt wrung out. But um, the first quote that you walk by is uh, written by Toni Morrison in her movie Beloved. And uh, or her book, Beloved, which was also a movie starring Oprah Winfrey. And um, 
Mama Shug is uh, a preacher woman, a holy woman, a wise woman, a healing woman, and she gives these sermons in the forest um, that are just so beautiful. And um, the it's the sermon, they have a quote from the sermon that she gives where she tells everyone to love their bodies because no one else is going to. To love their hands, to love their feet, to love the life that comes from their private parts. It is, um, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of the book and the film. Um, if you haven't read or seen either, then I highly suggest it, but, um, find that quote. It, it is, you know, um, to love oneself fully, to love the bodies that others hate and abuse is really, uh, one of the most radical, um, things that you can do. Um, it really, uh, something, and something I've dedicated my life's work to. Um, they also had a really beautiful poem by Elizabeth Alexander called Invocation. I'll read it now. The wind brings your names. We will never dissever your names, nor your shadows beneath each branch and tree. The truth comes in on the wind, is carried by the water. There is such a thing as the truth. Tell us how you got over. Say, soul, look back in wonder. Your names were never lost, each name a holy word. The rocks cry out, call out each name to sanctify this place. Sounds and human voices, silver or soil, a moan, a sorrow song, a keen, a cackle, harmony, a hymnal, handbook, chart, a sacred text, a stomp, an exhortation. Ancestors, you will find us still in cages, despised and disciplined. You will find us still misnamed. Here, you will find us despite. You will not find us extinct. You will find us here memoried and storied. You will find us here mighty. You will find us here divine. You will find us where you left us, but not as you left us. Here you endure and are luminous. You are not lost to us. The wind carries sorrows, sighs, and shouts. The wind brings everything. Nothing is lost. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. 
If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, gotta be weird and wild about it, you know? So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.